With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Ramon Foster Show. Brought to you by our friends at the Get-Go Cafe and Market. I'm Dayan Kovacic of DK Pittsburgh Sports in Pittsburgh. Ramon is in lovely Hendersonville, Tennessee. And Moan, what's going on? Not much, man. Summer is upon us, but the spring rain is with us right now. That's all it is. That baseball fire alarms is what's with oh, us. Oh, oh, we'll get to the fire alarm. Don't leave us. Hang on. The fire alarm is coming in our third segment here of the Ramon Foster Show. Let's do it. Let's do that. <laughs> and let's talk first about football, which is what we kind of usually do around here. And and Moan, there's a there's a concern in Pittsburgh that you and I have discussed here about the state of the offensive line, and that's understood mm-hmm. because you know some pretty big names, including yourself, aren't here anymore. Mm-hmm. And anytime you have young guys, new guys, and and other people coming in, and it's nice that David DeCastro is still here, but we'll see how the rest of the group meshes. But this is what I want to ask you. Everyone's excited here about Najee Harris, and mm-hmm. they and they should be. But what is the difference that a running back, a good running back, mm. can make to the running game? Because it almost feels to me, Ramon, that we've gotten like away from that and trying to pin everything on the offensive line. Yeah. Um, the difference is fear. And I say that in a lot of different ways. When you got a dynamic guy who has a good offensive line, a young offensive line, a hungry offensive line, either one of those, I don't care if you go, um, let's let's go fit, no, no, let's let's go indie. We can go um, Dallas. We can go um, even Cleveland. Good offensive lines. It doesn't mean much if the running back don't know what the heck they're doing or where to hit the hole. <laughs> um, that's a difference. Uh, it, it, it really does mean a difference. It, it may seem like a small thing. And I'll say this too. Running back is one of those positions where when you first get a football, you want to play that position. Okay. It's, it's, it's one, especially in my era growing up, you either wanted to be an Emmitt Smith type or you wanted to be a Ray Lewis type in the sense of just linebacker or running back. Or, and of course, everybody wants to play quarterback. Think about it. I think one of the reasons the running back position has kind of been devalued also is because that's everybody's dream as a kid. And it's also put a ball in the hand of somebody and they're able to be athletic enough to make plays and you can train yourself. But when you get a dynamic one, i.e. Le'Veon Bell, i.e. looking at fast Willie Parker, okay, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel uh, Elliott when he's good, uh, Nick Chubb and and, uh, Kareem Hunt. Like, you find yourself in the world of saying, man, they can hit you from the ground or they can hit you in the air. But if you get a guy like the young Najee Harris that Pittsburgh is all excited about, I'm excited about. I know rival fans of Pittsburgh that are saying, man, Najee is going to be good. and They want to see him play. They want to see him play. 
I, exactly. I, I heard this Ramon from people, AFC North rival fans are like, let's see mm-hmm. this guy. You know, I mean, we, you know, we know what Cleveland's got with their two guys in particular, Nick Chubb, you know, Cincinnati's had some good running backs. Obviously Pittsburgh's yeah, mixed, yeah. had its share too. And then, you know, uh, Baltimore, if they get JK Dobbins more involved, yeah. uh, it, that's going to be fun too. But it, you know, everyone talks about the AFC North quarterbacks, but these the, running backs. Yeah. It's a serious game, and I almost feel disrespectful when I mentioned uh, uh, Alvin Kamara is one of the best, or the kid in uh, McCaffrey in, in Carolina. You see, you can name the really good ones because Dalvin Cook is another one. You can – Derek Henry. See what I'm saying? Like, the ones that are dynamic, they mean something to a team. Derek Henry's the first one I would have mentioned, but okay. I, I know, but I, I'm, <laughs> I was just thinking of just recent history of, like, where they are, but um, – when you have a dynamic one, I think with it being such a pass happy league that when you get a really good running back that knows how to hit the hole, but not only that, that has breakaway speed, all those dudes I named have breakaway speed, even as big as Nick Chubb is. So when you give them the ball in the offensive line, I've been seeing the co- uh, comments and quotes they've had where they're not just trying to block you. They're going to run through your face. like, And then keep running. And that, that's, running. that's the variable here is like when you look at – I know how strongly you feel about Chubb. So yeah. just to use him as an example, Chubb doesn't just get through you and then go down. No. He's he's finding daylight. He's looking for grass, and then he keeps looking for more. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing, too. Even let's, let's go back to when we were blocking for Le'Veon. As quirky as his run style was, you knew even if he didn't have the breakaway speed – the physicality that he bought, brought to a play, uh, the cutting ability that he brought to a play, I think that's more demoralizing because it's more physical than throwing a bomb over somebody's head. A bomb over somebody's head is like, bam. But when you get a dynamic running back and that running back's able to control the game, you saw what this Pittsburgh offense was like last year when it was, okay, a five-yard pass is equal to a run, but a five-yard run just mean I dogged you. And having a guy like Najee, that can set and set home. He think that can be the dynamic the dynamic uh, rusher that he was drafted to be. Not only that, this guy has the ability to jump over people and go yard and also catch out the backfield too. But so take, that, take, take take me into the trench, Ramon, because that's that's what I that that's what I I, I don't have and I can't have. You know, you mm-hmm. do have this feel for what that is. Is the I know everyone always likes to say these things. Well, what percentage of it is this, and what percentage of it is that? That's impossible to say. Yeah. But, but the running back does does control some of his own fate. He does because if you're, <laughs> it's been times where we block for guys, and you can probably go back to some of those 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 tapes that film. Okay. And we'll have it sealed off backside and he goes front side. If he waits just a, a half a second longer, it's a 10, 15-yard run, maybe even more depending on what he does with the ball in his hand. That's the control that they have. It's a matter of not seeing ghosts in the sense of Sam Darnold, okay? Like if you if you hit the hole and know where you're supposed to be, have a knack for playing a position the way it's supposed to, or if you're fast like Willie Parker was and just hit the edge and say, catch me if you can, that's the part of the game where you can control you know what I'm saying? Like, it's I SD saw value. it. Ron. I you saw know? it. You know, you know what I'm gonna cite here. It was Cincinnati when you ran the same play. Yes. Was it three times in a row? I felt like it was six times in a row. I'm sure they felt like it was sixty. <laughs> yeah. And it was it was the Steelers' offense basically 
giving a universal finger to the Bengals defense yeah. and their coordinator and everybody was saying, listen, <laughs> we we know. You probably – I would be surprised if you guys got down in a line of scrimmage and were shouting out that the play was coming. Like They tried to – I remember that sequence, okay? Like they tried to overplay that side. We pretty much lined up in the same formation, may have changed like the motions or, or the running back setup or whatever the case may have been. But I remember by the third or fourth time we ran that play, like they were trying to scrape over the top of me and Al, okay? Like they were trying to move and stop the play. But the thing is, once they started doing that, like Le'Veon could go the other side, the back side yeah. the other way. Like it's so many different facets when you have a smart running back that's able to get the job done. Like they tried to adjust. But I'm telling you, DK, being able to do that, line up and knock them down is probably more effective and demoralizing than going 60 on a slant or 20 on a bomb for a first down. I'd say being able to run the ball at will is probably as equivalent to making it on a third and 23. Yeah, but you're talking about the impact on the opponent, and I've also seen the reverse where I'd see you guys after a game in which you ran the ball and you were like um, – <laughs> like, oh like this like walking around a locker room like look at us and it was just a different vibe uh than if you had like a 400 yard passing game or something like that and i just not go ahead you you really have nothing to do with that i mean you do but it depends on what the wide receiver does with the ball in his hand like when we finally saw what Le'Veon can do i think in that london game when he really just was like oh oh yeah you feed into – I don't think I've ever seen the organization just kind of like the green ooze of just, we got them, guys, and let's ride. Like, it's that type of feel. And it was the same thing with Connor. When Connor, when Le'Veon held out and Connor ran for, what was it, 100-plus yards, 200 yards from scrimmage, mm-hmm. we were like, okay, reset, let's go again. Like, that's yeah. the way it was. Even though I think that game ended in a tie, like, I'll never forget that feeling like, this guy's an NFL quarterback. There's a switch that flips on, I think, for the guys that's blocking for him and the running back, man. So I can only imagine how Clem has that offensive line feeling. And I'll say this, too. To his credit, he's going to challenge them to say, hey, look, you you know what? Like, when it comes down to we ask for a running game, you ask for a running back. We got rid of a guy that, that Pittsburgh love in James yeah. Conner. Okay? Y'all better make this right. I know personally he's going to call them out and say, if you don't get this job done, your livelihood depends on it. And that's the beauty of a guy who's a young offensive line coach like Clem. And truth be told, it's the beauty of having a young age-wise offensive line room other than Dave and, and Finney. Adrian Clem is the offensive line coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he has quite the challenge in front of him. He's got David DeCastro and a whole lot of other guys who are going to be battling for starting jobs uh in latrobe and that's going to be that's going to be something to see when we come back on the ramon foster show we're going to talk about who is the real king potentially of the afc welcome back to the ramon foster show brought to you by the get-go cafe and market where they serve hot fresh food made to order around the clock Mm-hmm. Can't be matched most anywhere right about now. Uh, Ramon, let's talk about the conference as a whole. 
Uh, yeah. You know, when when you guys are, are gearing up for a season, there's always a lot of focus on the division. But ultimately, you got to get through the conference to get yeah. to where you want to go here. And I want to start by asking you about the other team that you cover uh, in your day job in Nashville, and that's the Tennessee <laughs> Titans, because they've now spent a zillion dollars. They've they've made some major acquisitions uh, in Bud Dupree and Julio Jones, and uh, are they maybe you know? I mean, I know it's all it's been for a while now that it's Kansas City up here and everybody yeah. else somewhere else, but you know. They're they're making a push, man. I'll, I'll say this: I'm a you know my, my blood is black and gold, um, but my job is to cover, like you said, the Tennessee Titans. So I got to kind of dive into them a little bit. And, uh, there's a lot of similarities now with these organizations um, than it was in the past. Like when I played them at the past times, um, they're trying to. They've created a culture of playing a certain way here in Nashville. Their GM is very stable. We had him on our show this morning. Um, their coach is a guy that's all in on, on, on everything that comes to go, and they're kind of taking that approach of being, hey, we're here. We might be a mid-market team, but we're here to compete. And I think when they got a sniff of that AFC championship against Kansas City, it kind of flipped the switch to them. Uh, what they did with Ryan Tannehill is something that's not to be just swept under the rug. Um, they got him in a system that works for him. They got guys around him. And also in the backfield, you got Derrick Henry. Like you said, if not anything, top three in the NFL as far as running backs go. That's Derrick Henry, one, but yeah. Kamara, <laughs> and McCaffrey. And Chubb. Uh, um, and Chubb. Okay. And, we, and we'll throw Saquon in there just simply because we know what he's capable of. But hoping he's healthy, yeah. Hoping he's healthy. But that guy, uh, Derrick Henry, is a monster, man. And they've got a system right now of – trying to build around, around Ryan Tannehill and not do too much. Um, them picking up Julio Jones was huge for them. I think um, they've seen what everybody else has done in the league. Uh, me playing with Ben, I've always heard Ben ask for more weapons. You can't have enough. And in this league right now, you got Tampa with two basically number ones in their wide receivers that they have with a solid running back and one of the best offensive lines also in the league. And that's what they're trying to do here. They found ways of managing their cap, making moves when they need to, and trying to fix some of their deficiencies. That defense last year was atrocious. It was bad. It was it was bottom of the barrel. And they went out and got Bud, Danico Autry, um, um, and a bunch of other guys in the first round that's going to be able to help them when it comes down to trying to compete. I think everything is all fine and dandy when it comes to offenses in this league, but in a championship game, you need a defense. You also need protection. And the Titans is a team right now that's kind of got – they got some stuff. They got a question at right tackle as far as the young guy that they drafted. Uh, and, of course, you remember the, the the debacle it was last year with Isaiah Wilson and that not working out. So they're revisiting, trying to find out who's going to be the starting right tackle. And I think it's going to be a rookie. If he's able to play high ball, uh, a ball on Sundays, I, they have a real solid shot of competing and competing well in the AFC. Wow, there's, there's always questions about a team that goes out and spends – uh, a, a lot of money and there are uh, there's metrics and data to support this and so we have seen teams especially teams that started out low on the cap and then just spent it all one off season if that mm -hmm. sounds like I'm looking at Cleveland over the years <laughs> I kind of am because we would see Cleveland spend a ton of money and everybody up there would get all excited and it didn't mean anything because they didn't know how mm -hmm. to put it together 
And Tennessee's obviously got its work cut out for it. Mike Vrabel's looking like the I'll, answer I'll, down there long term. Go ahead. I'll say this, though, the difference between Cleveland and, let's say, the Titans. Um, Cleveland's situation was they never had coaching stability or ownership stability, number right. one. I think the Titans have that with Amy Adams Strunk right now and their GM, John Robinson. Those are the two things they got going for them. The other component of comparing the Titans to, to uh, Cleveland as far as spending, too, I think it breaks down to quarterback play. Those years that Cleveland spent a whole lot of money, they either had a guy they hoped was going to be good or let's say they had a young Baker Mayfield who was still learning the system. The difference is with the Titans is Ryan Tannehill is a, now a savvy NFL vet. Um, I don't think his ego's getting ahead of him as far as saying, hey, I don't care if Derek Herring gets the uh gets gets all the shine. He'll end the game with 215 yards and like two touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? Like that's oh, where they are. That's the that's the version of Tannehill that I think the league started to appreciate finally last year, which is that uh, you said earlier that you know that he fits the system. I, I, I would actually argue that they've made the system fit him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I look at I look at the way the Tennessee offense is run, including the passing game and his mm -hmm. precision and his his completion percentage has been off the charts now. Man. And in particular last year for the better part of I mean the early the first two thirds of, of the season, he was unbelievable. Yeah. In terms yeah. of accuracy, well, why? Well, he wasn't putting up fifty-yard bombs. He did hit those occasionally, but for mm -hmm. the most part, he was, you know, he he, he was manageable, a manageable game. Yeah, um, and, and that included using Derrick Henry. Yeah, um, but they're a strong team. But the AFC is going to have their hands full. Um, I'm looking at this Titan schedule, and I'm also looking at the Steelers schedule. Uh, one, those two teams do play each other. By the way, I'm hoping we can get an opportunity to link up and tailgate and do all those good things, DK. We couldn't um, pull it off last year down there. Oh, I wanted that so bad, too. Um, but the Titans and, and the Steelers have a very similar situation. They both won their division last year. Winning your division means, okay, show up and prove it again. That means they got to play all the ones from the AFC conferences, I think, for the most part, mm -hmm. DK, uh, on top of mixing the NFC teams that they got to play, too. But ones playing ones mean you're going to get good on good. You Unless you're the New England Patriots from 2006 all the way to 2018, your division um, is, is going to be is not a, a cakewalk. That division was a cakewalk with Tom Brady yep. and the Patriots. Year after year <laughs> after year. But the other teams that you got to play are going to be locked into you. Like the Titans-Steelers game is going to be a really big game. Um, watching them play other teams in other divisions as far as, number one, is Kansas City, it's going to be a really big game. Um, this is going to be an interesting take, I think, for both of these teams because they're both capable of making runs. It's a matter of do you have enough gas or do you have enough cohesion to get to the end? Um, and everybody, of course, is still chasing, I think, in the AFC, Kansas City. Yeah, that's that's the word. That, that's where I'm looking at Patrick Mahomes, and, and he's – He's still the standard bearer going into this season. When we're talking about the AFC, of course, Brady's in some other discussion. Yeah. Uh, but where where Mahomes is concerned and what Kansas City has added, all the weapons that they had, and then adding Clyde Edwards-Hilaire mm -hmm. um, and, and everything that they can do, they've bolstered to an extent that defense of theirs and that I offensive line this offseason yeah. traded for Orlando Brown. Like yeah. they, they're trying. You can't. You yeah, right. They're not about to let the window, whatever. <laughs> or, well, the window's as long as he's throwing a football there. But yeah. uh, that's 
that's a situation where uh, I, I think you could see Kansas City still be the class of the conference. It's kind of a mm-hmm. a, a boring answer, but you know, you know, sometimes but that works. But you gotta you gotta look at also, like I said, the the rest of the number ones and number twos in this league, though, like. Pittsburgh and the Titans both got to play the Bills also. You know, that's no And there's ball. Buffalo and Josh and Allen then, and everything that they bring. Who's yeah. had one of the biggest jumps, they say, in, in, in NFL history as far as quarterback play go. Like, what he did doesn't happen normally. <laughs> okay. I mean, what are, you, what are you stacking him against, Tyrod Taylor? I mean. I'm just saying, as far as, like, the leap Josh in Allen. professionalism. Josh um, Allen was going to look great. I thought he was too. Some people were, of course, the national analyst is like, a guy doesn't make this type of move. I'm like, well, he was a first round draft pick high. Like he's supposed to make that type of move, but whatever he did last year, they wasn't expecting him to do. But um, I, the teams I'm looking at in the AFC, we're talking about this division. You got Kansas City, you got Bills. Uh, I think the Chargers have the ability to make a run. Um, the Titans, the Steelers, um, Baltimore. I was going to say, you can never, you, you can't, you just can't do it. You can't sound like a sane person no. and talk about the conference without mm-hmm. mixing in Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Yeah. And who knows what the heck becomes of Cleveland? I, I'm still not. I don't, but, but the thing that they have, though, DK, is they have a top five, off, top five offensive line. They have finally, a quarterback. Finally, finally. Yeah, after thirty years, <laughs> they have a, a, a two run, two headed running back, just monster in the back. They have receivers. I don't know what they're going to do with Odell. I still think Odell might be a play they, player they move, um, just because you just don't know what you're going to get. He's dynamic as ever, but it might benefit them to move him unless he comes back right minded and ready to go. Um, Kansas City, you know what they got. The Titans, you know what they got, especially adding Julio in. And like I said, you still can't count out Miami. Um, I was going to say, Ramon, who, who, there's got to be like one. There's always one team that pops Miami. up somewhere because the easiest thing to do is to look at next season and then just look back at last season and say, well, it's going to be like this. But no. whether it's a, a, a Miami or a, a Las Vegas or someone like that where you just – or Denver that just takes some yeah. kind of step – you know that you you just you know you don't know Indianapolis is another Indy. one that you know and a lot of people are counting off Carson Wentz and I'm 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 one foot in one foot out probably like the rest of America but that old line solid that defense is one of the really best. solid underappreciated the Michael Colts Pittman defense. Jr as far as wide receivers they got two or three running backs in the backfield like let's not act like this is a bad team if you the amount of talent might help Carson Winston. He's back with the old coach that 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 got him to the top. Yeah, no, there's it it, it it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. But I think we can agree that the Chiefs are still up there until somebody yeah. until somebody knocks them down. When we come back, it's a slice of life with Ramon. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show, brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where they sell batteries. <laughs> Let's talk about Ramon's night and why he had a rough time getting up for work today. If you see my, my morning Twitter, I hashtag Early Rises Club. Let's go. 
I, I see I'm, it often. 4.30 oh. in the morning, you put that up. I'm still up writing, and Ramon's <laughs> heading to work. Let's go, okay? So, which means I go to bed early. Last night, I went to bed probably. I was in the bed about 9.45, which is still <laughs> late when it comes to getting up at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. But I'm about to go to bed. It's about 10.45. I'm sleeping, okay? And I hear, er, 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 er. What is this? Uh, and then it hits me. I heard the alarm or the cadence going off. Fire. 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 And you know if one smoke <laughs> alarm goes off, all of them go uh, off. Chain okay? reaction. Chain reaction. And which is supposed to. I'm not knocking it. But, okay, cool. Here I am. I'm hopping up, man. Got to put on my clothes and get out the room and go out, man. And I'm like, let me find out. I go out sniffing. That's the first thing I'm gonna do. DK, where's the smoke? <laughs> you smoke? Yeah. Where's the smoke? I hear fire. Like, where's the smoke? I grab my phone. I'm looking on my phone because I got cameras outside the house, like everybody does these days. Sure. Okay. I'm trying to see if there's any motion, any flames I need to check out before I exit. Okay. Mind you, uh, <laughs> it's like 10:45 at that time, um, and I'm walking through the house. No fires. I'm fanning. I'm fanning the, the smoke alarms. <laughs> Mind you, it's not registering to me because I'm asleep. There's no smoke, no smoke. <laughs> But I got a good cause. You know how it is when you burn something on the stove, DK, and you're fanning it away. We're good. We're good. I'm walking through the house, DK, trying to find out whichever one it was. Somehow it stops. Cool. I'm like, I gotta oh, find no. Oh, no. I got to find out which one it is. Okay, lay back down, go to sleep. For oh, a second. no. About 11.45-ish, I think. Ew, 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 ew. Fire. Fire. It says fire? It does. You the, have the, the worst smoke alarm ever. That's so obnoxious. So somehow it's going <laughs> off again, DK. I get up, and at this time, I'm like, all right, we got to figure this thing out. This time, I go upstairs, downstairs, all the whole nine. It's fanning again. I got a shirt in my hand, just waving it in front of the freaking <laughs> smoke detectors. Cool. This time, I, I didn't go back to sleep. I sat on the bed because I'm like, I'm going to figure out where it's coming from. Wait, you couldn't figure out where the sound was coming from? I didn't know that one, out of it? I didn't know which one triggered it. Mind you, there is oh. no smoke. It was one being triggered. So I'm like, I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know which one is starting it. So at that point, it's about uh, 12, 15-ish at that point, And I'm sitting up. And I hear it, and I think it's coming from upstairs. Walk upstairs, fanning again. <laughs> and at this point, my wife is like, Mo, you got to stop fanning. There's no smoke There's in no smoke. It's mouth. <laughs> it's a malfunction. <laughs> and I'm, like, and I, I'm so disoriented and mad. Because I knew I had to get up and work early, okay? Which makes it so much worse. <laughs> so much worse. Okay. So we're at that point, and I got my phone in my hand. I'm, a, I'm looking up why it's doing this. And then I, I tell her, I'm going to call the fire department. They're going to come over here and check out these smoke alarms, okay? Sure. And she's like, Mom, you don't call the fire department. The fire department when there's no smoke. <laughs> you could just say, hey, I don't know. It was saying fire repeatedly. I have a smoke alarm that says fire. Yeah. So to her point, I was like, well, I'll call the electrician. DK is 12 o'clock at night. Oh, okay? yeah. They'll be, they'll be right there. They'll be right there at 5 o'clock in the morning probably, okay? So it's, I think it's coming from upstairs. Cool. 
I'm trying to figure this out. And you gotta, you gotta think. My baby boy Miles Nine, he's hates super loud noises. Okay, which any kid will. You get woke up out of your sleep for the third time at that point, and I'm like, okay, manhood got to step up right now. You're the man of the house. You got to figure out what's going on, but you don't know what's going on. Your kid is like nervous about a fire being in the house. Oh yeah, no kids fire. don't like alarms. Kids is oh, that, that's a bad DK. mix. Nightmares. There's pressure building yeah. on satisfying whatever is going on. You okay. now have to save the house. You have yeah. to be a good parent, yeah. and you have to be alert to the fact that in like two or three hours you gotta go to work. So here we go again, DK. Lay back down. And at this point, it went off probably about 10 minutes later, where I think we're closer to one o'clock at this point. And I hear it. I, I, I'm, I'm intently hearing like my, my, my sixth sense goes off at this point. I hear it. It's towards the front of the house in the hallway somewhere, the one that started it off. I go to oh, and I didn't tell you, too, with the loud noise that's been done, you know, sometimes in, in your rooms as far as ADT and like sensors go, like, mind you, it's saying fire, fire and making these loud noises. Well, these loud noises echo. So mind you, the alarm on the house is set. So at the oh. time that is hearing this noise, there is an echo off of the windows because it's so loud. So they think somebody's breaking in the house. Oh. So the alarm starts going off, DK. Oh, or it's from the counting sound waves. From the sound waves. So the, I, I got to turn off the alarm, reset that, go outside to the garage, and I found the culprit. It was the, 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 the uh, smoke detector in the garage. So the next step had to be finding a baseball bat. Let me tell you what I did first, okay? <laughs> Mind you, I looked up what it could be. It said it could be humidity in the house that can cause it. It can be smoke. It can mm -hmm. be fire. Um, mm -hmm. What was another reason? Oh, and it can be like insects inside of it, too, or low battery. Oh. Low battery. Okay, Low cool. battery. Let's get to the point. This is going to blow your mind, DK. Here it goes. Okay. Here it goes. So I go to Go to the garage, and you know how garages are. Sometimes there's spider webs and stuff like that around somewhere. It Truth can get a little told, messy, yeah. But I don't really trip off of it because I realize spiders are a good part of like your ecosystem and your house. As far as spiders are good, you want spiders. You don't feel like it when they're in your bed, but you want spiders. But that's okay. So I grab a Swiffer sweeper, DK, because I looked it up. If it's not fire, if it's not battery, if it's not uh, humidity, if it's not smoke or fire. It could potentially be insects. So to that point, DK, I grab a Swiffer sweeper. I start brushing it up against the, the smoke detector, and then it stops. And I was like, we found it. I think it was insects in it, but of course, I'm just wiping it off. Get it? Cool. Change the battery on that one, too. So go back to bed. Reset the alarm. Oh, no. Oh, no. And I told Keisha, I said, we're good. I got it. I cleaned you it got out. It. Nailed it. I swifted. <laughs> Probably about 145 ish. Oh, no. Dude. Oh, Dude. Fire. Fire. Oh, fire. Fire. Yeah. I, I know where it's coming from. Do I turn off the alarm, go to the garage. I sweep up all of the spider webs that's around it because it was near it. And I think what happened was the spider did his little spider web around it. And maybe it or like the little night flies or gnats, you know, the ones that are coming to your house to track yep. light. Yep. When we turn off the garage, most fire detectors are white. So they're probably attracted to the white one. Right. That so makes sense. Plus, you probably have one of those little flashing lights, right? 
Exactly. Yeah. So what happened is, is insects can get inside of your fire alarms and set it off. Wow. So this is what I did after I went out and I knew I sprayed it with compressed air. Still didn't work. So guess what I did, DK? Hmm. Snatched it down. It's got to go. It's, you I'm mean like just raw? Just down here and disconnected <laughs> the cables. <laughs> no, you will not anymore tonight, man. And at that point, I probably had two and a half, three hours left to sleep, DK. There Insects you go. inside of the fire alarm. There you go. Wow. Never say you didn't learn anything on the Ramon Foster show. Oh my God. Our special guest next week, by the way, on the Ramon show will be that spider. <laughs> we, need, we need to come up with like a, a name that's more clever than like Daddy uh, Long Legs or Daddy Long Night. Hey, Daddy Long Night is what it was. <laughs> Your boy was struggling today, man. Oh, man. Oh, me, oh my. Wow. I never would. Would you have ever guessed insects inside of it? No, that wouldn't have been in my top one million if you'd asked. I mean, I, I would have thought nothing other than the battery. I really would have. And I changed um, the battery. And and I think they were just moving around because I sprayed it with the compressed air and it stopped. And then because the you chased it out for a little bit. Yeah, yeah that, but that's it. And then it was like, no, I'm going back home. Mo went back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Spray it decay. Well, we'll find out the truth next week of what all was going on up there in that alert. <laughs> all right, Moan. Well, we'll do this again. Uh, we'll do this again next week. And uh yeah. oh, man, thank you. 